You're listening to Be Health Connected, a podcast by the St. Louis Area Business Health Coalition. Your host for today's episode is Lauren Rimsbecker, BHC Senior Director of Member Engagement and Communications. Hello, I'm Lauren Rumsbecker, and thanks for listening to this episode of the BHC's Be Health Connected podcast. Filling open positions continues to be a top challenge among businesses in the pandemic era. In the face of staffing shortages and high levels of workforce burnout, employers are having to evolve their recruitment and retention strategies to attract and keep talent. While flexibility, benefits, and perks can play a role, the most innovative organizations are looking inward for the answers. To discuss a playbook of best practices, we are joined by Anya Land, Manager Human Resources for Procter & Gamble. By integrating empathy and creativity into her role, she is helping business units to achieve results and employees to actualize their aspirations. We appreciate you taking time to speak with us today, Anya. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm excited to talk about something that's been a hot topic in my world. Um, So looking forward to the conversation. Great. Well, you know, before we dive into the details of today's topic, I did want to start by talking a little bit about your background um, because you didn't start in HR. So can you take us through your career journey? Absolutely. Um, So what's interesting about my career is that I'm not traditionally what you would consider a a trained HR professional and that my background started in the nonprofit sector. I actually started my career um, as a visit facilitator and I was I work with foster and adoptive agencies in Indiana to really support kids as they were battling the system and trying to connect with their families. So as a visit facilitator, I would literally transport babies from their foster homes to their biological families to spend time and I would sit in homes and my job was to observe everything that I that I that I could see. Um, was the was the bathroom clean? Was the kitchen sink um, clear of dishes? Um, was there food in the refrigerator? And unfortunately a lot of times a lot of those basic needs weren't met. Um, for our kids. And so I took those learnings and translated them into a career in public health. Um, And public health is beautiful because, as you know, um, as a fellow public health professional, public health teaches you the basic fundamentals of what it means to support the quality of life of someone. And that's something that really interested me as a public health professional. And I worked in the healthcare sector to see how these large institutions could really take public health data theories and just principles and really support a population of people to improve their quality of life. And so whether it was working for St. Louis Children's Hospital in the Child Health Advocacy and Outreach Department or Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center here where I'm located currently in Ohio, it really gave me the opportunity to understand how those health disparities that do exist in our world can be alleviated, addressed, and really eradicated with the right support and benefits. So as a human resources manager in Procter & Gamble's Dayton Mixing Center, I'm able to apply my background in public health to really key in on some of those nuances of what it means to truly recruit a population that is just above the poverty level. And we talk about the cliff all the time in public health. The cliff is that place where you make 
you know, just enough to say that you're out of poverty, but it's that difference between making just over that where you don't get access to public benefits and assistance in a way that you would if you didn't have a job. And so for me, it's important that as we recruit this population specifically at our site, that we're thinking through some of those public health principles. But part of the reason why I wanted to join today is because a lot of the principles that I've learned as a public health professional apply to recruiting PhDs, marketing specialists, um, in all roles in between, whether it's a high volume role or it's a very niche role. What it comes down to, as you said, is really understanding the people. Absolutely. And I, I think it's just fascinating to see how that has been threaded throughout uh, your entire career journey. And I know as we were preparing for this interview, you mentioned your favorite quote, um, which I really, really appreciated. So can you tell our audience what that is and how that inspires your work day to day? Oh, absolutely. My favorite quote is, when you walk with purpose, you collide with destiny. I've seen this in my own life, you know, as, as a young professional, there are oftentimes when you don't know why the challenge in front of you is a part of your life experience, or you don't know what your next steps are going to be. And unfortunately, in this year, a lot of people don't know where, where the next check is going to come from, or if they're going to have a home um, to go back to. But, you know, through it all, the quote, when you walk with purpose, you collide with destiny has really gotten me through the best and, and the worst times. And now it inspires me to, it's inspired me to go out and translate that into what I call my dream box. So in the last 10 months, I have engaged over 3,000 high schoolers across the Cincinnati Dayton area. And I take my dream box with me and I, and I talk to my students about what it means to really walk with purpose and collide with destiny so that they understand that no matter their current circumstance, that those opportunities, that next big break, that opportunity is right around the corner. Because for me, as a public health professional and somewhat of a, a, data, a data nerd, I love the idea of really keying into what matters most. So it's not just a blanket, tell me about yourself. I don't just look at them as, Gen Z or baby boomers, it really helps me understand what motivates them to the core. And that's really what has propelled me to really connect in different ways and gather qualitative and quantitative data to help me understand the population that I'm trying to attract. It is a hot market. When it comes to recruitment, there are so many opportunities. I know that as an employer, my job is to set myself apart. And the way that I've been able to do that is to really try to connect with the populations that I'm serving. Yeah, I, I think that's such a great point that, you know, we can't characterize people so much that we're putting them into boxes. It's really about get, getting to know them on a deeper level. And the quote that you mentioned, you know, purpose is just such a key piece of both personal and professional well-being. Uh, and I know it's reflected in some of these best practices that you apply to recruiting. So let's walk through that a little bit further um, and starting with, you know, what are you asking uh, candidates and um, how are you really getting to that? Why? Absolutely. The reason why I really start to key in on the purpose part is because I felt like there were so many opportunities when we have these small interactions with people where it makes a difference if we're not just asking people to tell me about themselves and they they say oh um you know i'm from ohio or oh my mom used to work here but really keying in on what is your why whether you're like a high school student entering the workforce 
or you're applying to uh, you know, a new role or changing careers, understanding what motivates people is really going to help you connect with what will motivate them to stay with your organization. And it also serves as a litmus test as to whether or not they will be a good fit for your culture and your organization. So I have to say, like in, in my world of HR, I've been asked to solve many a business problems. And as an HR professional, I love it all, whether it's developing new talent pipelines, diversifying, diversifying a talent strategy, or preparing for Gen Zs to enter the workforce, which I know um, really does give some people some anxiety. When I start the conversation with what is your why, it forces people to also think introspectively about ordering their steps and being bought into the process in which they are engaging in. So we know like most organizations have a lengthy hiring process. And the reality is most people who are in the job force or in the job market have lots of opportunities at their disposal. So the one thing that we can do um, as professionals in this day and age is to really understand what's motivating people to really build that commonality outside of just what they're expecting, which is to be, you know, to be interviewed and to get a job versus um, thinking through what it means to really tell me your why. And I'll give you a quick um, example. So when I worked with um, Cincinnati Children's Hospital, we did a program in the community and it was a program that was designed to build a, a diversified talent pipeline into the hospital. And when we had these sessions and, you know, did some motivational speaking and I asked the group, what is their why? The why had nothing to do with the skill set, their credentials, or their background. A lot of people shared their why was because their kids, they want to set a good example. They want to be a great role model. They want to save money to buy their first house. Um, they want to get their license back because maybe they were previously incarcerated and lost their license at one point. But really understanding what motivates people is the key to building that connection with your, your talent um, to really bring them into your organization. We can't just rely on the old methods of just scanning resumes and asking the same generic questions. At this point, the market is so saturated with job opportunities that it's incumbent upon us to really think differently about how we build those opportunities into the, into the pipeline. So I'm a big fan of, of re remixing and refreshing um, ideas for sure. Yes. And that, you know, is a perfect lead into sort of the next part of our conversation. I know you talk a little bit about exploring history and background. So, so what is the P&G remix and refresh? Yeah. Yeah. So the P&G remix and refresh is something that I don't think that people are keenly aware of as a consumer. Um, I consume a lot of P&G products. I love them. Everything from from Downy um, to the Unstoppables and Crest Toothpaste. And my son loves Old Spice. We use them all. But um, it wasn't until I had a chance to go to the Procter & Gamble archives in Cincinnati where they had this visual display of ideas that have been remixed and refreshed. Now, on the surface, it seems very simple. We all love a good remix song where you can take an old song and, and change the beat and it becomes the hottest new thing, whether it's on TikTok or, you know, on the Billboard Top 100. But at P&G, what we found is that some of our solid um, products and research and science have been reapplied 
and refresh to make new products. For example, I don't know if you've ever whitened your teeth, but um, our Procter & Gamble white strips are a great example of a remix and refresh where we have um, cling wrap, which somewhat looks like saran wrap, and we have great dental technology with Oral-B, and we have tons of whitening toothpaste. So what they did was they took the clean wrap from, you know, our uh, division of, of products, and they took the toothpaste and the, the chemistry and the science behind what makes great whitening products, put them together, and here we are with a whole new product. Um, they've done similar things with the Swiffer WetJet. Um, I don't know if any of you know, but the Swiffer WetJet is a combination of technology from our always maxi pads and Mr. Clean, two different products remixed and refreshed. And I can't tell you the last time that I actually used a bucket and a mop to clean my floors. And so I've applied that same methodology to recruitment because it's really what I believe we have to do. It's not that our old ideas are not valuable. I do think that we've had to, you know, and the pandemic has definitely helped us with this. We have to find different ways of engaging. And so the remix and refresh in terms of recruitment, there are a couple of key things that I've done to really hone in on this. And I think, you know, part of it is thinking through how we support human capital. Now, I said that my background was public health. I am a human resources professional, but what I really believe in my part-time is that I'm also a human capital scientist. <laughs> I love the idea of gathering qualitative and quantitative research to really inform the decisions that I've made in recruitment. It helps me solve business problems and really get to the to solve the problem statement so that I don't just have problems. I now have, you know, data to support my claims to, to further the work that we're doing. And what I've seen is that, you know, in the last six months, I've been fortunate to have the opportunity to implement a second chance program for previously incarcerated individuals. We know that there are a, a you know, there are a number of people who have been incarcerated and the reality is they have a very hard time finding a job. P&G being a second chance employer um, and me thinking through the qualitative and quantitative research to support this as a diversified pipeline has really helped me remix and refresh. We didn't invent second chance programs, um, but what we have done is utilize our benefits our um, our recruitment tools to really package it in a way that connects with people where they are in the communities that they come from and to provide opportunities for them to further their careers and get a fresh start. So what I love about that is, you know, remixing, ref refreshing old ideas is a matter of having those opportunities to not only reflect on what's important in your organization, but also taking the time to really gather some data along the way. So um, I mentioned earlier about the dream box. Now, the dream box is something that I've used to really help my organization embrace and prepare for Generation Z coming into the workforce and really finding out what this looks like for high schoolers. And I'll tell you how deep it's gone in terms of my research, right? So part-time data scientist. So this started maybe 10 months ago. Um, I went to to the YMCA to work out um, in my community and there was a high schooler at the desk and I said, hey, um, what are you listening to? Like, what are kids, like, what are your um, classmates and 
you know, what are you listening to on the radio? So she gave me a couple names. I'm working on the treadmill and listening to the songs and and hearing what, you know, what they're listening to. And I took it a step further. Then I started going to high schools. Engaging with high schools, I did some presentations. I took my dream box with me everywhere I went. So for every high school that I've touched, 3,000 now in total, I have an index card with their dreams. And the questions are very simple. What are your dreams? How can my employer fulfill your dreams? What do we need to do? Now, some of them are really funny. Some of them are very serious. The serious ones say, I want to be an engineer. Um, The heartfelt ones say, I want scholarship money to go to college so I don't have to be a burden to my family. And then some say, I want to test mattresses for, no joke, I want to test mattresses um, for my lifetime. I just want to find an opportunity to do that. You know, whether it's good, better, different, and of course, we know all data isn't good data, but it's given me this opportunity to really engage and listen. I'm not doing the speaking. I'm not forcing my ideals on them. I'm listening and engaging so that I understand going back to what motivates them. I'm understanding what their why is. And, you know, it really helps because, of course, there's diversity in the workforce, right, when we talk about race, ethnicity, and gender, but there's also diversity of thought, you know, giving people the opportunity to write down what their dreams are versus verbalizing them to a stranger gives people that opportunity to share a part of who they are in a way that's most comfortable for them. So as a recruiter, when I'm out in the community, it's important to think through, like, what my strategy is, but also what ideas can I remix to to really bring new life to old ideas. Again, index cards, not new. Um, Second chance programs, not new. But when you take these opportunities and put them together to meet the needs that we're facing today, it is giving me different insights into what we're seeing um, in the workforce currently. I love that phrase, a human capital scientist. Uh, I think that needs to be added to every HR professional's (laughs) business card. Uh, And you've mentioned, you know, some examples of how you're doing this research um, from a qualitative and a quantitative standpoint. Any other methods or tools that you're using in that capacity to sort of help capture that information? Yeah, that's a really good point. So, you know, there are always the human resources information systems um, that we use. And a lot of that will come along, you know, pretty standard in 2022. But one thing that we're doing now is we're really tracking the number of like metadata on our application process to really understand what methods of um, marketing and recruitment speak volumes to our candidates. And so, again, these aren't new ideas, but it's nice to be able to use tools like Google Analytics. And in Workday, there's a ton of reports that you can run to really see where your applicants are coming from um, and really pull some predictive analytics into understanding where our dollars are best spent on advertising, um, where our dollars are best spent on really engaging. Another tool that I've used to really build my part-time human capital scientist um, capabilities is to do journey mapping. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with journey mapping, but for those um, on the podcast, what I do believe um, wholeheartedly um, as a public health 
data scientists, I love to have different data points to really capture um, the candidate experience. Now, I'm talking about retention. I mean, I'm talking about recruitment. I'm not talking about retention. We're focusing solely on like how we're able to bring in a diversified pipeline. And one tool that I'm using to do that is journey mapping, which is often used in market research, where um, journey mapping is essentially the process of creating different personas that represent your candidate pool, your stakeholders, the key population that you want to engage. So I've been able to use journey mapping to capture the various types of candidates that we're seeing in our pipeline, which is informed by our HR data based on some of the key demographics, age, geography, and the way that they're completing the application, whether that's through our website, on a website such as Indeed or Monster, LinkedIn, and they're completing it from their phone, et cetera. So the process of journey mapping has really helped me define and really understand and build out what our candidate pool looks like today. Because what I know is that, you know, from a leadership perspective, their perception is reality, but what I'm able to do as an HR manager and a part-time human capital scientist is to really present those personas to them to show them like, this is what this typical candidate wants to see in their process. And, it, and I can do that for um, different groups so that that way I have data to support the different types of inputs that I would have um, with those groups. So for example, I've talked a lot about Gen Z, but you know, there is graduation season and in full disclosure, this is a hot time for me to engage with our graduates. So I've been in a lot of high schools and headed to Wright State College this afternoon to, to do another presentation. But this is just a time of year when graduates are seeking job opportunities. So it's built into my strategy. So when we're engaging our graduates, it's really important for us to think, number one, they want instant follow-up and they want instant connection. So having small resources like a recruitment phone, um, like using systems like Pardot or, or others or Paradox to do that instant um, response and emailing or mass text messages because they want to be able to know if they got the job quickly and they want to have that instant connection. So for them, I can't send them to a website with 10 clicks in because that's not what they want. They want to know more quickly if they got the job. They want to know the status. They want updates. And they also want to be able to ask a quick question if they want to know something. Similar to, you know, if you're using Google, Siri will, or if you're using an Apple phone, Siri will tell you the answer in a matter of seconds. In recruitment, what I'm seeing is that we have better results when we're able to reduce the amount of time between that first point of engagement and their day one. So for our Gen Zs and our graduates, that is the, the name of the game. It's really understanding how they operate in these systems on social media and engaging with their phones and capitalizing on that to reduce the amount of time between first impression and day one when they get, you know, start with on the job. In comparison, 
we've seen a large number of baby boomers and retirees who are re-entering the workforce because you know what they would what they've said to me um, in our dream box conversations when I say what motivates you some of them say I'm supporting my grandkids and I want I need to get out of the house and get away from them no um, others say they have more to give to the organization and they want to keep working because they're healthy and they're able whether it's you know any of those reasons when I'm engaging with the baby boomer or retiree who wants to continue to work in the workforce they want to have low tech they want to have good old-fashioned conversations more often and they don't mind a longer process because they have time on their hands so in that sense it's better to have time where you can engage them and have more conversations so for them we've had success in posting um, ads for jobs in the newspaper and going to our local libraries in Dayton, um, shout out to the Dayton Metro Library System. Um, we've partnered with them to have on-site events so we can talk through the application, we can answer their questions, they can shake hands, and it's a very, it's a high touch engagement to build that relationship. Those are two examples. Those candidates want to see and feel a PNG recruitment experience in very different ways. And the challenge is being able to engage them both equally to meet their needs because that's what's going to make the difference in the marketing if we're able to hire and retain those candidates that was a lot uh, i wonder what questions you you or um, listeners you think may have about some of the ideas that we've used to diversify our talent pipeline I, you know, I, I love that you're taking such a personalized approach and, and it just makes so much sense because these generations are different and characteristics are going to make people approach the job process a little bit uh, uniquely. Uh, one question that I had before we sort of close things out is, you know, we're talking about recruitment and then they're hired on. So are you applying some of these best practices to current employees? And are you seeing that sort of thread throughout their career journey uh, with P&G? Absolutely. So I mentioned before, like those, um, the methods that I use um, are were specifically for recruitment, because retention is a totally different um, idea. And it's been great because we've built inroads with our leadership team and how to address this. And, you know, at this point, most organizations have an employee engagement survey. They're, they are locked into the idea of doing an annual survey, reviewing the results, and creating an action plan. And if not, then that is the bare minimum at this point. What I found to be helpful in terms of retention is really building in engagement opportunities to just be present. You know, Procter & Gamble believes in um, principles and high standards that really transcend human capital. Um, and there are a lot of parallels to how we think about quality and how we treat our employees. Because, you know, in, in healthcare, we would always say that the um, patient and the employee experience are equally as important. If your patients are happy and they feel supported, they will get better quicker and they will come back. If your employees are happy and feel supported, they will most likely stay longer if you're able to engage them. So my approach in terms of retention, um, and we're still testing this out, but you know, with the background in public health, I will always say improving quality of life is 
the bottom line. It's why we have benefits. It's why we have compensation. It's why we have these systems that are built and designed to keep employees safe, to make sure that they get home safely to their families and to give them opportunities to grow in their careers. What I see in terms of methods to do that is really keying in on the leadership and doing you know, three key behaviors. Um, the first behavior that I think is really important, especially for leaders who are um, interested in how do we retain our employees and keep them from leaving, the first thing I would say is um, rounding to influence. Um, it's also called walking straight talk. And that means, you know, getting outside of your desk, um, getting outside of just the work to really engage with the people who are doing the work. Um, in other sectors, you know, there's the roles that have the highest turnover are also usually the roles where you have the highest number of employees, whether it's food services or it's in manufacturing, it's technicians. But the reality is, what we're seeing is that employees who do not feel as connected to the overall business goals, they don't feel like they are seen and heard are the ones who are more likely to exit. So I've encouraged my leaders and gotten buy-in on really doing, you know, walking straight talk where they're connecting with our technicians on a regular basis to get to know them, to get to know people on a first name basis and really build that connection so that people see that not only does leadership care, but that they are present and that we're in it together. I think if nothing else, the pandemic has really taught us, especially for the um, sectors like the healthcare sector, where a lot of our um, organizations have frontline responders who didn't close during the pandemic, who had to keep pushing through. A lot of that is feeling appreciated and being seen and heard as you fight the day-to-day -day struggle because everything has become infinitely harder whether it's solving supply chain issues or retraining nurses or you know improving safety across all sectors things have become harder during the pandemic so it's that much more important that leaders are present so i think i would i would leave leaders with a couple key things that they need to to ask in order to make sure that they are getting the best out of their um, human resources team. The first one is asking, what are our qualitative and qualitative touch points with our employees and with the candidates so that we understand that we understand their needs? So really getting into the, you know, the nuances behind your candidate pool, really getting into the nuances of what it takes to retain your employees two different questions, but both vitally important. So that way you know and understand what motivates your candidates to come into the organization and what drive your employees to stay within your organization. The second thing I would say is what are our metrics around human capital? Thinking through, you know, how you want to collect data, um, whether it's a billboard or, you know, a whiteboard with sticky notes or a dream box, make sure that you have some type of data to make you make sure that you're still connected to um, those diversity dimensions that are outside of your own. Like, I, I can't stress enough the importance of leaning into diversity and unconscious bias and leaning into understanding people who are different than you so that you understand a bit more about what it takes for them to do what they need to do in a day-to-day -day basis. So leaning into a lot of that comes into the music that you listen to. Listen to a different station. 
um, what people are reading, um, understanding like how to make a TikTok video, not for the sake of of being a you know a celebrity on TikTok, but for the sake of understanding what other people are seeing and experiencing and what drives them. Because understanding the the keys to the different talent pipelines that you want to engage will give you a competitive advantage in the market, hands down, every time. Because you know better, you do better. And that's something that is um, proven to be helpful for me in this role um, and in this place. But of course, there's a lot more work that we need to do around um, engaging our candidates and creating a better candidate experience. Well, Anya, I cannot thank you enough for sharing your insights with us. You really are you know, putting the humanity back in human resources. And I hope that other organizations are inspired by that and try to incorporate some of these best practices we've talked about into their recruitment uh, and retention strategies as well. As we close today's episode, just wondering if there's any parting thoughts that you'd like to leave with our audience. Yeah, the only part of thoughts that I will leave when it comes to recruitment is, you know, to not give up on solving some of the problems that we have with recruitment. I think the key here is to remix and refresh some of those old ideas so that you can see the value and the landscape because the landscape has changed. And some of our methods have, you know, they've been tried and true methods, but it's worth it to remix and refresh those methods to meet the needs of the candidates of today. Thank you for listening to the Be Health Connected podcast. For additional episodes or to learn more about employer resources available through the St. Louis Area Business Health Coalition, please visit www.stlbhc.org.